0: How many of you are ready for Christmas, whether it's ready for you or not? Yeah. I, I uh, realized this week that uh, many people express their love through giving of, of uh, baking to the church office. <laughs> it develops your self-control, let me say that. But since Daniel and I don't have any self-control when it comes to sweets, we eat a couple and then we take them down to the school office, Because there's like 60 teachers that just go through there like that, and they enjoy them, and we're grateful for them. We love that. Some of your love language is food. I get that. Um, I'm learning how to control myself. I'm still a work in progress. Hey, uh, yesterday, uh, we gave out all the hampers, and I have just a quick story. I know there's more than this, but we dropped ours uh, off at a place in Newton, one of our families that goes to our adoptive school as well, and we got there, and we were talking with her, just chatting with the food as it comes in, three massive boxes, just so you know, each of those hampers cost about $250 worth of food, it's not insignificant, plus the gifts that are given to people as well, so there's a a lot of money and love that went into that, but in any case, we were talking with the lady, and she said, today is actually I'm having a birthday party for my daughter, she's in grade seven, she goes to Vanya, We were like, oh, that's wonderful, that new school that we are adopted school. Uh, She said, I actually was hoping that there would be something in the hamper that would help with the party. We got there. Somebody in our church who has cakefirst.ca who made made 600, not 60, 600 mini uh, cupcakes all decorated. Uh, So we gave one, 12 to every place. And so this lady is like, I hand to the girl. It's her birthday party that afternoon. Here's some cake for your birthday party this afternoon that she didn't have. And She was having a party, but no cake. And there's two bags of chips in there for your friends and a couple of bottles of Sprite to go along with it. She had no, mom was just like overwhelmed and uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not doing this to pat anybody's uh, back in the, in the one sense, but on the other hand, just it's so important that we're, we listen to the whispers of, of God. Uh, when when uh, Mandy texted me and said, how many hampers were there? Uh, and then proceeded to make 600 of these little cupcakes. Uh, in, in, uh, in the grand scheme of things, she uh, was just obedient and God had another story that he was writing, in, and sometimes when we obey God, we're not aware of what the impact is. We're just doing what we do, and, and, and that's how life is sometimes. Just do what Jesus says and let him take care of the, the outcome. We obey. He takes care of the outcome. So I, was, uh, I had that great privilege, and I know there was other stories like that. People well, welling up with tears, just so grateful. And that flows out of, for us, Matthew five sixteen says, Let your light so shine before men, how? That they would see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Not about Horizon Church name, not, and I know it's not about Mandy's name, it's not about our name, it's about the name of Jesus, that people would see that God sees them and knows them and loves them. Good man. All right. So four services Christmas Eve. Serve one, attend one. I know you're aware of that. Just be looking throughout this week. Maybe your postal worker, maybe uh, your family member, maybe the server at a restaurant. We have little invite cards that have all the times of the services. They're available at the welcome center if you just need a little one to remember the the times of the service. Uh, we're starting with uh, Christmas, God with us, and the verse that we're springing out of is a powerful verse. It's uh, in Matthew uh, chapter. 1 in verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is, everybody say those last two words, with us. God is with us. And that's actually a a prophetic word that was given approximately 700 years previously through the prophet Isaiah about Jesus who was to come. See, God, the Christian would believe that God is not just up there in the sky, but God is with us, he's for us, and he's with us today, he's alive. And so when we talk about Christmas, it's sometimes we can make it about shepherds and sheep and all that, and there's great story and great value in much of that, but this season really felt to make a Turn the focus a little bit off to spring from that to talk about where God is with us. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked that God is with us in the valleys. We enjoy Him on the mountaintops of life when things are going well, but we get to know Him in the valleys. And last week, we talked about wilderness times, which are not just things that come for a little while. They come, and sometimes for a long time, where... Uh, Our deepest need in the wilderness can become a gift if it drives us to depend on God. And today we're going to talk about the analogy of God in the storms. Those difficult times that seem to blow up without warning. Anybody ever had that? Difficult time that blew up on you without warning. You thought it might be coming. You hoped it wasn't, but there it is. It was in September 20th, 1991 that a boat by the name of Andrea Gale left harbor in Massachusetts. And headed out onto the fishing grounds of the North Atlantic off the east coast of the United States, and no one could have known that this was the last time that that boat and the men, six men on it would ever be seen at the end of it all was they had they were sailing into a storm that was beyond what they would have ever imagined it came a book came to be written about it called "The Perfect Storm and a Movie uh, as well called the Perfect Storm uh, there what was happening in that Perfect storm: three deadly elements came together. There was a cold front coming in from guess where, Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> On coming from the interior of Canada, there was a high pressure ridge over the Halifax uh, that area over there, which was high pressure. And then from the south was coming a very moist air, the remnants of uh, of a hurricane down in the south, Hurricane Grace. And the storm weather was coming from three parts, three points on the compass rose was coming at them, and they did not know the full extent of what was happening and In fact, later, it was recorded there was buoys or boys or buoys off the coast of Nova Scotia that recorded waves of over a hundred feet during that storm, a hundred feet you know how how tall is that a ten story building a ten story building of waves and so Three deadly elements coming together, strong weather, and on their own, warm air or cold air or moist air are not a problem. But when they all converge in one spot, it creates a perfect storm, a storm that is just incredibly strong. The last radio transmission of Billy Tyne said this. That's the captain. 6 p.m. on October the 28th, 1991. He reported his coordinates to the captain of his sister ship, and he said... This, she's coming on, boys, and she's coming on strong. Coming on, and she's coming on strong. And that from that word, uh, that term, perfect storm, it's worked its way into our vernacular of our culture, where things come at you from multiple directions and seemingly overwhelm you in the spot that you're in. They overwhelm your defenses, they overwhelm your resources, and come at you and, and you don't know how or if it's going to stop. Um, You probably notice that when storms get to a certain size, we start to name them. They name maybe Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Harvey. When they first started to name them, they always named them after women. (laughs) I'm making no comment on that except to say this. I can't imagine what kind of a dummy went home to his wife, (laughs) said, honey, I was at work today, and we were tracking this incredibly destructive, angry storm. Let's just clearing out everything in its past. And so we decided to name it, and I thought immediately of you. Can you imagine? Hurricane Shanda. Like, I've seen that one before, but anyway, it was just, (laughs) I'm kidding. Clears the deck. But that was in 1954 they started doing that. And then in 1979, equal rights for storms as well. (laughs) Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane... Craig, never seen that one before, right? (laughs) Some of us are in storms in our life, though, that we probably would have named maybe before or maybe you're in it right now. The divorce storm or the lost loved one storm or the addiction storm or the depression storm. We start to name them and we all experience those storms that seem to blow up out of nowhere just going along, going out to go fishing, going out to do my thing, and in it comes. Where the communication with our spouse is just gone. A loved one that passed, our son or daughter struggling in school, financial hurricanes that seem to sweep away our what we had built up in the, in prior to that. A sickness that doesn't seem to be improving. Just a storm that blows up from uh, nowhere where suddenly I'm well one day, the next day, this happens, then another thing happens, and it's another thing that happened coming at me from multiple different directions. And if you've ever been in one of those storms, you know what I'm talking about. See, the reality of life is that storms happen in life. They come in, you're, and someone has said this, and I think it's fairly accurate. You're either on your way into one, your way out of one, or you're in between them. That's just the way that life flows. There storms are. So it's so important, though, that we learn how to navigate storms, because in the storm, what starts to happen is we start to question, where is God? Why would He allow this? Why can't He do something? Why won't He do something to stop this, to stop this thing that's blowing into my life? Because I would not want this. In Acts chapter 27, where we're going to go to one of the more famous storms of the Bible. In Acts chapter 27, you actually have enough light today. We're working on the lighting situation, just so you know. But uh, here it is. You probably could kind of see. I can kind of see you today. It's incredible. I see your smiling faces. Well, not all of you are smiling. I just want to know that. Just (laughs) just kidding. Acts 27. uh, And we're going to start around verse 20, 20 in a moment, but this is uh, about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul uh, wrote, I think, roughly half to two-thirds of the New Testament. He was one of the, the highlight uh, of the of the Bible who had been a murderer, but God had got a hold of his life and transformed him, and now he was going around preaching the gospel. And because of that, in one place, uh, he was captured, and he gone through a court process, and they were going to do something, but he basically appealed to the Supreme Court of the day, which was Caesar. He appealed. He said, I want my case heard before Caesar. And so they say, okay, and they start to take him, literally ship him up there. Uh, They took him by. uh, First they walked with him and then eventually got on a ship, and they uh, headed out into the Mediterranean to begin to make their way up to Rome. And as they crossed it, they ran into a terrible storm, and uh, that took several days to get across to a certain place. They got into harbor, and there, things kind of calmed down. It got a little settled down. And so he, he decided that, or they decided that they should go on. But Paul said, don't go on, because if you go on, it's going to be a big trouble. Don't do it. Uh, and, but it says in verse 12, they took a vote. Basically, they, the majority decided they were going to go on and cross over because they wanted to get to a better harbor before winter. And so they went anyway. And then in verse 20, we pick it up. There was a massive storm that happened. They're throwing stuff overboard. Uh, Verse 20 says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We gave up all hope of being saved. Sometimes in a storm, you can begin to give up all hope that will ever change. We begin to feel abandoned. We might begin to feel like God has uh, uh, left us and punishing us. We might begin to question the goodness of God. We feel like God is mad at us. We're wondering, God, do you even see this? Because we don't always know the intensity of the storm we're in until we're in it. We think, oh, it's not going to be that bad. But then the intensity of it comes against us. And sometimes the sun seemingly seems to go. The darkness of our life is not even interrupted by the twinkling of any stars. It's just dark. Have you ever been there? When it was so dark, you were wondering, that light at the end of the tunnel, is it a train that's going to finish me off? Or it's just dark day after day, and week after week, and you're pushing through it, but it's a storm. It just doesn't seem to let up. and you, It just keeps pushing on you. A number of years ago, I, I lost my job. In an, uh, it was a long time ago in the late 90s and where we lived was a rural resourced place, a resource uh, jobs kind of a thing and so I lost my job and I thought oh I had never had one gone. Before And so I thought it'll take me a little while, but I'll find something. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. I had had a little bit of work coming from here and there, working with this person or that person, but nothing steady. It was just, it was a, the economy was down and it was just going on month after month until nine months. I was literally a paycheck away from looking at welfare and food bank in my life. And I was like absolutely worried on the inside. The storm was coming at me. We had to move into a little place and uh, much of our life was in, in, in a real, real challenge. And when the wind keeps blowing and the storms keep raging, you might hear yourself saying things like, it's never going to, or it will always be words that reflect resignation and lost hope. Words that reflect the idea that it, it's not going to change. My marriage is not going to make it. I'm never going to get out of debt. Uh, that person, the way that they did that, there's. I'm always going to be single and alone. I'm never going to have a child. I will always be depressed. And, and even as I was sitting on the front row this morning, I felt like this word, like your song has been stolen. Not like Ariel. <laughs> My song has been stolen. And this is how you fight your battle. And when you lose your song, Your song in the night, your song, that shows that the hope in your heart has gone down a lot. And when the enemy can steal your song, he can steal your strength. When he can steal your strength, he can cause you to give up. And this is how we fight our battles. This is how we move on. This is how we get through a storm. The storm continued raging, though. Will this ever end? That verse says, in verse, I think it's 21, where it says, the the storm continued raging. You finally gave up hope. We don't always know not only the intensity of the storm, we don't always know the duration of the storm. It's one thing to hang on when you know this is going to last for three more days. It's like when you go on a fast. I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but I put a deadline on that fast. Because if I think oh, i 'm going to fast until I don 't feel like fasting, that'll last till lunchtime. But when you say i'm going to fast for three days or five days or however I want, and some of you go longer than that, some of you have never fasted before, there's an opportunity coming but Three days, so then I can say I can make it through because I've got three days. But sometimes when a storm comes, you don't know. You get like, this can't last long, and then it's like one day, then it's one week, then it's two months, then it's six months, and it just keeps rolling on, and the duration of it is challenging for you. But sometimes, you see, storms come, and as I said earlier, they come and they go. That's just part of the the rhythm of life. They come in there. But sometimes we get into storms and we're not in them by accident. Verse 21 says this, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up and said to them, stood up before them and said, men, and he said only men, because there were only men on the ship, and this is not a sexist thing, just so we're all good. 21st century, we got to talk about this. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. This is not the guy that you want when life's Oh, I told you so. Thank you, Captain Obvious. We know if we would have stayed, nothing would have happened. Thank you for bringing that up right now. I so appreciate it, Paul. How many of you would have been that? Like, let's throw him overboard. Not above it. But sometimes we blame things on the devil or somebody else that are actually our thing. In our family, we have this. We will be going somewhere. Or some complicated turns, I have a navigator who sits in a seat beside me. Oh, yeah. You outed yourself. Okay. I was going to leave you nameless, Shanda, but that's all right. Now, when we go out, it'll be a time to take a turn. And invariably, eventually, I will miss a turn. Then Shanda says, you missed your turn. Anybody, any guy feeling me right now? Come on. You missed your turn. And I'll say something like this. Why didn't you tell me before? And then she says to me, we've played this movie so many times, I, I'm visualizing it right now, that she says to me, because every time I say, here's your turn, you say, I already got this. <laughs> Ramon, is this true? Has this ever happened to you? Yeah, I know. I see you there. What's well, all happened. But it's a way better if I can blame Shanda. Now I've got Google. It's a lot safer to blame Google Maps than blame Shanda Maps. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) But sometimes we're in a storm, not because of the devil, but because of ourselves. We spent too much money, and we're in financial issue. We lost our job because we're always late. Why did you fire me? You're never here anyway. I got suspended because I mouthed off my teacher. I'm, they're not considerate to me because I don't keep my commitments. I'm super and tired of missing my deadlines in university because I'm majoring in pizza and beer. I had a terrible breakup because I didn't listen to godly advice. And someone said, I don't think that's a good idea. Your mom warned you. Your best friend warned you. Pastor Daniel warned you. You even had a fortune cookie. You cracked open and said, problems ahead. But you're like, I got this. Sometimes the problems are just your problems. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they gave up hope. Because they were in a storm because of the decision they made. And sometimes it's easier to believe that God will get you out of a storm if he just allowed you into it. But sometimes when you're in a storm because you knew you were a dummy, It's a little harder to ask God sometimes. It doesn't mean he looks at you any different, but I think we look at him a little different. We are ashamed and we start to falsely believe that God's abandoned us in the storm. I'll just have to figure it myself. I'm all alone. Sometimes we get ourselves in a storm. Sometimes, though, other people get you in a storm. Don't say amen too loud. Or look, Put your hand up when your wife's beside you right there. You see, some of the crew didn't want to go, but the majority overruled them. Paul certainly didn't want to be in the storm. Captain Obvious already made that clear. They were in a storm that was not their fault. Some crew was in a storm that was not their fault. And some of you are in a storm because of somebody else's decision, because of your interaction with somebody else's life. How many of you have ever been in a storm because of somebody else? Just close your eyes, and if your spouse is looking, no, I'm just. It's one of the most frustrating things. Because I can handle it when I get in a storm because I'm a dummy. But if somebody else gets me in trouble and drags me into it, my mom and dad used to do this sometimes. They couldn't figure out who was the culprit, so everybody's getting a whooping. Anybody ever had that before? You're all getting it. You're grounded for like three years. But I'm 20. I'm kidding. Your parents, though, maybe some of you, your parents got a divorce and your life has never been the same. It's not your storm, but you're in it. Your spouse cheated on you. You had a client that didn't pay you back and caused you to be pushed into financial stress and and pressure. A drunk driver that hit your car and you haven't been able to go back to work because you have a concussion. The company made a bad bad decision. You lost your job. You trusted the other people on your group project, and now you're the one getting a fail. Thankfully, Paul doesn't stay in Captain Obvious mode, though. Moving to verse 22. But he says, now I urge you to keep up your courage. So we're in the storm. Some of us are here. Paul is like, I'm here because of you guys, but I'm going to keep up my courage. Some of us are here because of our own self. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. Just as an aside, those two phrases are incredible. The God to whom I belong and the God I serve. When you have those things nailed down in your life, your life is going to look absolutely different. You have a God to who you belong. You're not just somebody who's on the outside. But when you belong to God and you serve him, he's looking out for you. He's, and look at the, how it says this. Last night an angel of God stood beside me. And sometimes your lack, we, we say that our lack of awareness of God's presence means that God's presence isn't there. But Paul spoke That God is here right now. He brought truth into their storm. And your lack of awareness of God's presence does not equal that God is not there. It just means you're not aware that he's there. But he is there whether you feel it or you don't feel it. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it. God is there. His angels are around you. And not only that, God is with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's inside of you. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, what you have is all that you have for your storm. When your resources are gone, your resources are gone. When your strength is gone, your strength is gone. When your abilities are overwhelmed, they're overwhelmed. But when you have Jesus with you, when you have the angel of God with you, when you have the power of God in you, no matter what storm you're in, there's always a resource that you can tap into. There's always a strength that will help you when your strength is gone. There's always hope that's there when your hope is gone. There is somebody who's with you. And some of you are getting a revelation over these past few weeks that the Lord has never left you, that God has never abandoned you. He's never uh, forgotten about you. He is actually with you in the storm. And if you can remember anything, that God is with you. And don't confuse your wait for an answer from God. Don't confuse that with there being no answer from God. You're just waiting. It doesn't mean God's not answering. It means that God is moving in ways that you're not aware of. There's angels being dispatched into situations that you're praying into. You're just not aware of it, but your lack of awareness does not equate to God's not being there in the moment. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of Jesus. He is with you. You know, when someone's with you, it's way different than if someone knows about you. Someone's with you is way different than if someone just knows about you. I've shared this story before when I was in grade one getting bullied by a boy in grade three. I had a brother who was with me. He was just in grade six. So when I got my brother to come and be with me on the playground, that grade three boy, he didn't want nothing to do with me anymore for some reason. And even less so when my brother took him out behind somewhere and had discussions with him. But there's, I changed my posture on the playground after that because everybody knew that someone was with me. And how you, when you get the revelation that God's with you, that Jesus is always with you. Always with you. In the book of Matthew and Mark in the New Testament, there's a story of Jesus and the disciples, his followers, were going from one side to another on the, lake, on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Lots of things happen in the Bible in a boat. I think I should get a boat, but that's another story. But usually there's a storm with that boat and you almost die, so maybe that's not a good idea. So anyway, they were on the Sea of Galilee. Perfect storm the Sea of Galilee, and here they are crossing along, and this storm comes up so big that even seasoned fishermen are going, ah, we're going to die. They wake up Jesus, who's asleep, but he's with them. He's asleep, and they wake him up, and they're like, don't you care that we die? We're going to die. Don't you care? Jesus is like, what? Settle down. He calms the wind and the wave, and he says, why are you so worried? I'm right here. He basically said, why do you have so little faith? You're looking at the wrong thing. The expectation of Jesus was that their faith should not have been shaken or their fa- uh, caused fear. Because when you have Jesus with you in your boat, you can live with confidence. You can walk with a strength that you don't know that you have. Because never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of Jesus. Yeah, but where is he? He's with you in the boat. And even if the boat crashes, he's still with you. He is with you. It's not about the storm coming at your boat. It's all about who's with you in your boat. Peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Jesus was in the middle of a storm, absolutely resting. Resting in the middle of it all. And then verse 23, we're moving on back into our passage. Last night, an angel of the Lord, we talked about this. An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. Why? You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. He's basically saying to Paul, it's not over. There's still something for you. This storm is not going to take you. There's still something for you beyond this storm. There's still, there's still a next phase for your life. It's not over. You're going to get through the storm. There's still another battle for you to fight and win, Paul. There's still another battle for you to get through, and you're going to find I'm going to get you through this because there's still something on the other side of the storm. But, Craig, you don't know my situation. You don't know the storm that I'm in. I don't know that I'll make it through. You are not going down with the storm. You're getting through the storm. God is not finished with you yet. There are so many people that he wants to use you to bless. There are so many people that he wants you to show Jesus to. You see, some of you are in a storm. Some some people have been through the storm of addiction, and God's going to get you through because one day you're going to stand and say to other people, God brought me through. Some of you have been through the betrayal in a marriage and you're going to be able to stand and help somebody else because you said, I've been through that storm. I got through it by the power of God who is with me. Some of you have climbed out of debt that seemed there was no way to get out of it, but God has been with you, and you're going to stand one day and say, there is hope for you if you're caught in that thing right now. Some of you have been 88 days sober, and you're able to say to somebody else, God is with me. He's taken me through the storm, and there is something for you on the other side. And when you're in the middle of the storm, you have to keep your perspective that there is something for you on the other side. You're coming through the storm, but never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of Jesus because there's something for you on the other side of your storm. Somebody say, on the other side. On the other side. There's something for you on the other side of the storm. There's some lives that God wants to use you to touch. It is not over for you. It is not over for you. It is not over for you. There's something for you on the other side. God is at work in you. God is at work for you. God is in the storm with you. He's working through you. And don't mistake your current situation for your final destination. You're just in a storm. It's not where you're intended to live. Do not mistake your current situation for your final destination. Because God is taking you through because there's something for you on the other side. And we've been in storms, Shannon and I, many different times. Financial storms, relational storms, family breakdown storms. Sometimes storms because we were dummies. Sometimes storms because it's just life. Sometimes storms that other people drug us into. But never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of Jesus. And when you have Jesus, what, when you don't have Jesus, though, what you have is all you have. That's why it's so important to know Jesus and have him with you in your storm. There's a couple verses and then we're going to close. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. This is a little passage that's about Joseph. Joseph is saying this and Joseph in the Old Testament was a young man who had a dream and, and his brothers betrayed him, sold him into slavery, went through 15 years of all kinds of craziness, difficult things. Eventually though, he got to the other side of the storm because there was something on the other side that he got there. His brothers had thought he was dead. And then he stand, they were standing before him. He's standing as the second in command in the nation. Here he is, being everything that he's called to be. His brothers are standing in front of him. And they're like, we're so sorry. Please don't kill us. He's like, that storm, everything you intended for evil. In other words, you drug me into a storm. But everything you intended for evil, somebody say everything. How much? Everything you intended for evil, God has turned around for good. The God who is with me has turned it around for good and the saving of many lives. So something that was intended to destroy you, only God can be the one who can turn it around and set you on a different project- or trajectory than you ever thought you were going to go to set you into a new place that everybody else said there is no way they will ever come out of that there is no way that they can recover from that there is no way that they will ever see what they were created for but you are coming through because you're good, there's something for you on the other side because everything that people intended for evil everything that that haters hated on you for everything that other people cast you aside for Everything that the enemy has come against you. God has the ability when he, you, he is with you, he is with you to turn it around for your good and his glory. And then here's the other one. God causes how many things? All things to work together. So this one is the one you grab a hold of if you're in a storm that's your own making. Yeah, the first one is everything other people did to you, the enemy did to you. This one's all things, covers everything. All things To work together for good to them that love God. How many things? So when God is with me, this is the kind of thing that happens in my life. When I have God with me in the storm, he is the one who can cause all things to work together for my good. In other words, if it's not good yet, it's not over yet. If you had asked Paul in day 10, is this good? No, this storm is terrible but it's not over yet because there's something for me on the other side of this storm. I'm going to stand before Caesar one day and God has promised me that. Something more on the other side. Don't mistake what you're going through for where where Jesus is getting you to. We begin to see that no matter the cause of the storm that's rocking my life, Jesus is with me. That he has not abandoned me, he is with me. That he has not forgotten me, he is with me. That he knows me, he is with me. That he sees me, he is with me. That no matter how I feel right now, there's an angel standing beside me and the Holy Spirit is inside of me and God is for me and who can be against me because God is with me. You know, Someone asked this last week, why are you preaching like this at Christmas? You know what? Christmas can be the most wonderful time of the year. It can be the most terrible time of the year. Everything is highlighted. If things are going good, it's really good. If you have gone through stuff this year and you're working through it, Maybe you lost somebody this year. Maybe there's been some terrible storms. They're only highlighted. So at Christmas time, more than ever, we need to be reminded that God is with us. The reality of Christmas makes a difference in my today. It's not just an historical event. It's a reality for my today. And Jesus is alive. Jesus is for me. Jesus is with me. He's taken me through the storm because there's something for me on the other side. So verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, women, children. Why? For I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. I have faith in God. My faith cannot be in. My success. My faith cannot be in my bank account. My faith cannot be in the economy. My faith cannot be in whether I get a promotion. My faith cannot be in whether I have it all figured out. My faith cannot be in if I'm smart enough. My faith cannot be in any of those things. Look what he says I put my faith in God. It will happen just as he told me it will. Faith is not in what I'm seeing right now. My faith is in where God is c- taking me. My faith is not in the words of other people who say you're never coming out. My faith is in the word of, a, of God who says, I, I'm taking you through. I promised you some things that you have not seen yet. He commands the winds and the wave, Be still. I can't control the situation. I can, cannot control when the storm starts. I cannot control when it finishes. All I can control is myself in the middle of it. I can control what word I listen to. Some of us need to listen to the words coming out of our mouth because we're listening. Words that talk about defeat. Words that talk about I'll never get out. Words that talk about it's never going to change. Start to to talk like God is taking me through. There's something for me on the other side. I'm going to declare that over my life. I'm not over. It's not over. I'm still going to make it through. The storm is coming. The waves are high. I don't know how he's going to take me through. If the boat still crashes into every into nothing, God is still going to get me through because as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm breathing air, God has promised me some things and my faith is in God who promised them, not in my situation or what I have right now. Now, he is God with us. What he says will happen. Because he's the promiser. Psalm 46, David, who went through all kinds of things, the, one of the great psalmists, the famous David in David and Goliath, he says, God is our shelter and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will, here's the effect of what happens when you begin to understand that God is with you. We will not be afraid. Even if the earth is shaken, even if my bank account is not what I wish it was, even if I'm dealing with false things being said about me, even if the mountains around me fall into the ocean and everything is being shaken, even if the seas roar, if the storm is overwhelming my abilities right now, I will not be afraid because God is with me. God is with me. The economy goes sour. God's with me. My relationships break down. God's with us. I don't get the job that I thought. God's with me. He is what I need. Christmas is not a theory. Christmas is not just a time to celebrate a a historical event. The reality is Christmas reminds us that God is with us. I love that Christmas is about gifts. I'm not a gifts guy, but I'm learning to like gifts. Because when gifts are given, gifts are received, it reminds me of God. It reminds me of God who's given so generously to me personally. and I know to so many of you. And to the world where... John 3.16, you see it at football games and you might see it in movies or whatever. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. The whole motivation of Christmas was love. He gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's incredible. God with us, He's, he's my source. He's not just God up there, he's God with me. He's my redeemer. He's my safety when all hell is breaking loose. He's my strength when I don't feel like I can go on in this marriage. He's my comforter when I'm betrayed. He is my source. He is my redeemer. He is my sustainer under the weight of the storm. He is my provider. He is my assurance when I don't know what to do. He is God with us. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of Jesus angels around you, Holy Spirit inside of you, God is for you. You're going to get through because there's something for you on the other side. And in the meantime, I remind myself in the middle of the storm when it's raging on and it keeps going on, the wind's howling, it's dark out, I don't feel it. Thank you God that you're for me. Thank you that no weapon formed against me prospers, but I condemn every tongue that accuses me, Isaiah 54 and 17. Thank you that you promised to never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that my situation that I'm in right now will not determine the destination of my life. Never doubt in the presence of a storm the reality of the presence of Jesus. I worship team, if you want to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head for a moment. Everybody, I'm just going to pray for you. You're not, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to do any of that. But I do want to pray. I'm going to declare some things that, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, if you're in a storm right now, just throw your hand up right now. Put it up. Come on, put it up. I want to pray for you. Put it up high. Just hold it up. Nobody else looking around. Yeah, 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 yeah. All over the room. In a storm, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the, sometimes when you're in a storm of your own making, you might even be aware of that. And you're like, how is God going to help me? First step is just say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done to get in this storm. Please forgive me. Help me get out of it. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's not a condemner. He's good. He doesn't hold it over your head. He's good. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, the hands that went up all around the room, Lord, and, Lord, I think even in our f- friends and our family, where storms are going, Father, I pray that there be a supernatural impartation of strength right now. And, Lord, where there's been a, uh, even lies that have been spoken, and say you are alone, you are abandoned, you are by yourself. God's just going to wait and see if you get through this. Let's cancel that lie in the name of Jesus. You are loved. He is for you. He is with you. He has never abandoned you. Not only does he see the storm, he is present with you in the storm. So Father, I pray that we be a people in the middle of storm that have a boldness and a confidence as we remember that you are with us. And Lord, I declare, Lord, that there be a new sense of heaven in your presence, new courage, new stamina. Lord, we're asking for miracle breakthroughs for people. Lord, we're asking for, Lord, that you would bring into alignment your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just with every head bowed and every eye closed as well. If you know or you realize that Jesus is not in your boat, in your life, and you you know that you need Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of your life, you just know you're not right with God. If that's you, just raise your hand as well. Well, With every head bowed and every eye closed, we want to pray, and then we're going to pray a prayer of give our life to Jesus. If that's you, just pop your hand up for a moment. My left, your right. Jesus be the forgiver and leader of my life, right down the middle. All right, I'm going to pray this prayer. If you want to pray with me, family, right now. Dear Jesus, let's try that again. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came to restore me to the Father. I confess my need for you. I ask that you forgive my sins. want to come home. I invite you to come and lead my life and to be with me from this day forward. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.